Hey there! On today's show, we're chatting with Paul Socket, an actor, performer, improviser, hugger, traveler, and storyteller. Paul is both a teller and absorber of stories, and in our conversation, we explore a circular understanding of storytelling, communication, relationships, and life itself. It's a question not of give and take, but of offer and receive, whether it's the offer of a good story, the offer of help for someone, the offer to listen. The other person chooses to receive that and create a more equal and understanding interaction. And so we talk about words and how we choose the words we use and get to define that word for ourselves. We talk about control and chaos, the abstract concepts of anarchy and disorder. Because they trigger fear and uncertainty, they are given negative associations. But you can learn to adapt to this chaos and learn to understand what you can and can't control. Especially after the changes and instability of the past year, which for Paul means not just in his work, but in his status as a UK national traveling in continental Europe, he has adapted more than ever to living in the moment, being present, and seeing each unit of time as part of a whole, part of a circular process that never reaches a conclusion. The moment is the conclusion. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to the Multipod. My name's Ted. I am one of your hosts today. Joining me is Flo. How are you doing, Flo? Hi, guys. Wonderful. Nice to be on board. And we are joined by a guest today by the name of Paul Socket. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we've uh, I've I've seen your name bouncing around the forum the last little while, and we connected on LinkedIn. I'm starting to get into that lately, and uh, yeah, I thought it'd be a perfect time to get to know you better, as we like to do here on this show. We our, our primary purpose is to find people in the puttyverse and hear their story, get to know their background and what makes them tick and the things that they're up to, and derive some inspiration and excitement from that. So that's what our our goal is here today. And as we were chatting a bit before getting this episode started, just kind of making some plans, and we, we started to hit on a few topics, I guess, that link to some of our more recent episodes. So if you've been listening since the beginning of this year, at least, we've had some good ones. We've talked to Sonia about homesteading and homeschooling. We talked to Kat about living in tiny homes. And our, our last episode there was a great one where Flo went up to northern Sweden and explored the, the life and community they have up there. And the kind of common theme through it all really was just, you know, being maybe as intentional as possible about life, the choices we make, what we do for work, how we live, um, how you put kind of money and time into perspective. And community is for sure that evolves out of that too. So I gather for you, Paul, that's one of the themes that's kind of interesting for you in your life that you pursue. Can you tell us, for starters, where you are right now? I'm in South Portugal in the Algarve, and I've been here since mid-December last year. Lovely. So 2020. Okay. So what brought you there? And well, let me think, I think I can detect a northern English accent. You can. Yeah, I'm from uh, (laughs) Lancashire in England. Uh Uh-huh. Um, so for those who don't really know the UK, I'm close to Manchester. (laughs) The response is then, oh, Manchester United. I'm like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Let's use that as a reference point. If that makes sense to you, let's use that. Um, so yes, I'm from, uh, I'm from Lancashire. 
hence the flat vowels uh, saying bath, path, grass. Um, right. And yes, so I, I come to Portugal via three months in Croatia with my girlfriend, Angie. Hmm. Um, and she returned to the States uh, a few Saturdays ago. And uh, so now I'm solo adventuring for a period of time while she sets up her home in, uh, in New Hampshire. Okay, I see. Well, for one thing, I'll give you a, a bit of a better reaction than you usually get. So my last name is Craig. It's C-R-A-G-G. And we know that our family comes from Lancashire around Kendall, uh, Lake District area. Oh, great. And I was there uh, just kind of backpacking around, let me think, late 2007, just to kind of see what it was like. I didn't really have any contacts there, but I knew that our family came from there probably 120 years ago or so. They came to Canada. Uh, and it was funny, like Craig is a distinct name. It's usually if you see it as C-R-A-I-G and for us it's C-R-A-G-G. So you never really see it. But in Kendall, like there was Craig hardware store and there's like, <laughs> you know, Craig this and that all yeah. over the place. It was funny to see it. <laughs> so how did, and how did that feel? How did that feel to be less of a kind of minority as it were and more of a fitting into the yeah. majority? You know, that's a really good question because... It, it was different for sure. I mean, I didn't, I maybe chatted a little bit with some people there, but if I had stayed there longer, I'm sure it would have sunk in even more. But it did make me reflect, as I still do to this day, how so many of the, I guess, choices or things I do are always against the mainstream. I don't follow the flock, you know, I'm used to being an outsider. I wonder if somehow subconsciously that comes from my name, our name. It's, uh, it's a distinct name and you you know that one of these names you always have to spell and where people say oh i've never heard that name before and uh yeah it, it just kind of taps into maybe some subliminal identity that uh i'm used to being an outlier doing things different so it's a good question actually but um what brought you to portugal how did you end up there well so uh, angie is american so we were only allowed 90 days in uh, croatia where we ended up and uh, Portugal was actually where we met three years ago. And so okay. we returned there um, just because it's a place that we both uh, love and it holds memories and kind of energy for us both, a really lovely, positive energy. And, hmm. um, and we were chasing, this, chasing warmth. Um, <laughs> So we knew that we were going to be approaching sort of springtime and being coastal and being, you know, just being kind of more equatorial, I guess, that uh, we were guaranteeing mm. ourselves warmth. Um, yeah. So, so I'm going to be here for a period of time, um, potentially applying for a residency card um, because the, the UK made a choice let's call it that let's, <laughs> let's not necessarily <laughs> qualify that <laughs> um but the the uk made a choice to not be part of the eu anymore and so that means yeah. that i don't have the privilege that i once had and so now i get to make new choices around um what feels good to me on the on the theme of home um, around my mm. identity of whether I identify as um, <laughs> as a, a European member, as, a, as mm. a, a, a human of the world, 
or whether I like to tie myself to a rather colonial, outdated energy of being <laughs> British. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I we could, I'm sure, spend lots of time talking about <laughs> Brexit and, and politics, etc. But I do want to know, you're the first person I've talked to since, I guess, it happened, especially someone who, you know, travels and would be a backpacker or otherwise moves around and who would be directly affected. So how has the change affected you directly, just visas and legally? So I'm, I feel very grateful that I got into Portugal before the 31st of December, which is when something called the withdrawal agreement was kind of applicable to. So I retain the, the rights of an EU citizen. Okay. So, but if I didn't, then if I tried to enter Portugal after the 31st of December, 2020, then I am restricted to 90 days in the country. Um, the, the Schengen zone means that I have to then navigate being in the Schengen zone for 90 days and then having to leave the Schengen zone before I can come back to the Schengen zone and logistically, energetically, um, societally, it feels, it feels alienating. It feels like I'm having to almost justify or at least explain away why we made the choice we did. And I say we because mm. the, the numbers <laughs> reflected a societal choice. My opinion on that is different to what happened. But the question is, so what's that all about? And I have to try and explain from my perspective why I think that happened. And so, yes, that feels like a much larger conversation. But just sending things in the post... <laughs> is expensive now <laughs> and it can take ages because of getting stuff into the country you want to send it to. And if I'm sending back to the UK or receiving from the UK, there are taxes, there are tariffs, there's delays. Uh, communication wow. between countries is less uh, in sync. And yeah, so it's the tiniest thing to the largest thing just feels out of yeah. sync now. And if you were to go back to the UK now, um, would that that would basically cancel the the whatever it is preemptive kind of privilege that you had? Like, would you be able to then re-enter? I would. So it just I all all I need to do is provide evidence that I was in Portugal before December thirty first. So so I retain all of my privileges as an EU citizen, which is great and something that I didn't know would be true uh, before, the la you know, before the last couple of weeks, couple of months happened. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm incredibly grateful for that. And it means that I can travel to other Schengen zone countries because Portugal is also a Schengen zone country um, and not be inhibited by the fact that I've come from Portugal. So I can go to Germany, mm. say, for 90 days and then come back to Portugal, and that's okay. So that feels amazing. It feels like I landed on my yeah. feet, and I was very fortunate for that to just happen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also very frustrating that that now has to be part of my consciousness. That's never been part of my consciousness. I've just been able to mm. go to any European country I wanted to go to for as long as I wanted to. <laughs> and then sure. suddenly the rug gets pulled out from underneath your feet and you suddenly have to think in a different way. I, I mm. mean, a positive... It's a shock to the system. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 
because it means you have to see more things. You have to see different things and you have to see things that you once saw differently. It means from a positive perspective, I get to appreciate and understand uh, the existence that my girlfriend has been living in her nomadic life. Because I think sure. there was certainly a disparity between how I saw the choices she was making and the reasoning that she had behind it because I was coming from such a privileged perspective. So now I get to appreciate the legwork and the having to look online and joining forums and asking the questions and seeing, you know, what other people's experiences of, of those journeys, uh, kind of theoretical and actual were so I can make the best choice for me in that moment. Yeah. What a change. It's amazing. The effects of this, of course, will be felt for a generation or more. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Well, so what, uh, what keeps you busy then in Portugal? I mean, what do you do for work or how do you spend your time? So, so I'm an actor. I've been an actor for 15 years, going on 16 years. And the last 12 months has been a period of reflection and mm -hmm. uh, reconnection with creativity, uh, reconnecting with my consciousness and being gifting myself the opportunity to make new choices. And I gratitude seems to be a theme. <laughs> so I'm very grateful for the fact that that has been true because for the two years before that, I was working as an actor pretty consistently which isn't common <laughs> and I was able to make yeah. some money and put some money aside. And so it enabled me to, to allow myself space over the last 12 months, which I understand is not the story for a lot of people who work in the arts. Mm -hmm. um, so I've created a new thing, which happened very organically. It's called claim your space. I recorded a workshop for the Puttyverse about it. And the concept behind it is relating to story and the story that we have and invest in the items that we have in our life and the space in which we inhabit. Coming from the, the position of a storyteller, because that's, that's actually how I'm reframing myself now is not necessarily as an actor, but as a storyteller. Mm -hmm. is that we have story involved in every single part of our life. Mm -hmm. And that could be in the pen I'm holding. It could be in the country that I'm in. It could be the online space that I inhabit, the forums that I'm a part of, the questions that I choose to answer, the words I choose to use. Everything we have comes from our conditioning. And it comes from a choice of um, of shaping our identity and I interchange the word story and identity because to me identity is the person we learned to be the thing we learned to say the people we learned to be around and the way in which we learned to be around them in order to feel safe okay mm -hmm. and to mm -hmm have some form of control because that's ultimately what safety is. There is a safety in control because we get to make the final decision. Right. 
Familiarity. Right. Yeah, exactly. Something we can recognize. We, we are an animal that recognizes patterns and as a self-conscious being, it is overwhelming to see everything as a new thing. So we learn to find the shapes and we learn to find the patterns and we learn to find the habits that work for us. And those things we learn from a very early age, from birth, (laughs) where we're dressed in certain clothing, we're dressed in certain colors, we're told that boys do one thing, girls do another, that it's okay to feel feelings as a girl and not okay to feel feelings as a boy. And so we negotiate and we navigate the relationships and the physical and emotional space that we inhabit over our formative years. And a lot of those stories, a lot of that identity that we've created for the sake of safety is what we choose to carry forward because it's really, really vulnerable to choose something unknown. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of us are dealing with that these days, having to make changes, right? And forced into new beginnings and just a total shift in what we were used to. So you're living this too, very vividly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which has been both helpful and, I was going to say, and a hindrance. It is not a hindrance, it is just uncomfortable. Because what we get to learn what we get the opportunity to witness is that control is a fallacy. We can shape something as rigidly as we want to, but control is something we never truly have because, because the ex- existence of humans, the experience of every individual is based in chaos. And chaos, yeah. chaos is not an emotional state. Chaos is not a negative thing. Chaos is disorder, which is why we feel it's a negative thing, which is why it can, uh, why we can associate anxiety with chaos because it's everything we have been learning not to do because we can't find pattern in disorder, apart from the fact that, <laughs> that there is a pattern in the fact that everything is disorder. But there's no control with that that we cannot set a rule for. We just have to work on the averages and the majorities of this tends to be the way something pans out. So I can make a choice kind of expecting that to happen. But if it doesn't, that's, that becomes a bad thing rather than just a new data point that we can put into the new average that we create. How are you adapting to, I guess, the chaos that's been in your life over the past year? Do you find a, a place of maybe grounding or contentment as uh, time goes by? Well, it's very much a practice. <laughs> that all, all feelings get to be valid because there is, there's no such thing as a good day or a bad day. There is only a day. And... What we do is if, if we say, I'm going to have a good day, 
any moment within that day that I don't feel happy or I don't feel gratitude or I don't feel joy means that I've failed. Mm -hmm. Because life has, we have been conditioned to believe that life is linear. That's true. So the circular, the circular economy is, is the antithesis to the linear journey. This idea of destination, this idea of answers and rules and knowledge and success and failure, this dichotomy of going from beginning to end. So for me, I have done a lot of work <laughs> over the last seven years to practice being graceful to practice allowing myself to feel a difficult feeling, not a bad feeling or a good feeling, a difficult feeling. And a difficult feeling comes from it being unknown or being unfamiliar or being something that we've, we've learned is a bad feeling and allowing that to be true, that I feel disappointed or frustrated or angry or sad or lonely it doesn't mean that i that i live within that feeling it doesn't mean that now my day is going to be a bad day and that there's always tomorrow again we're sold these cliches that there's always tomorrow there's always a destination to strive for where things can be better but what if and i i <laughs> i offer what ifs pretty regularly what if we lower the stakes so if I, if I live my day from moment to moment, then I get to choose a new thing for the next moment, not having to throw the rest, like the day that's just been away and wait till tomorrow to start again. Because again, it's linear. We, we never start again. <laughs> we don't start a new day. Yeah. We travel from one day into the next. It's cycles and circles. So... <laughs> So to answer your question, all that stuff has been going on in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so it feels pretty constant, and that's, but it gets to be the training ground. It gets to be, okay, this, I feel whelm. Words are really important to me. We inherit words from our community, family, relationships, media. We get to choose the words we use. And we get to define that word for ourselves. Because my mm -hmm. definition of patience, for example, is going to be different to both of your definitions, your personal definitions of patience or frustration or curiosity or pain. So in, so in conversation, what I get to do is I get to ask you what you mean. Because I want to be curious. I want to learn what you mean. It is the, it is the simplest way to show care and compassion. To be willing to hear a word that someone says with the lens that they have for that word rather than my own right. is so powerful because it means we can meet them in the space that they need and the space that I'm willing to offer. 
And the purpose being, this is how we exist together in the same point in time. Right. It's very purposeful, present living, right? Like uh, hearing from you that it almost sounds exhausting, and that's another interesting point, but like to be very conscious throughout each day of who you are, where you are, what you're doing, what you need, what's missing, what's happy, what's succeeding, but being very conscious of that through every passing moment, it seems. Do you, does it make you exhausted? Do you find it overwhelming or is it kind of a calming thing? Well, it's both and, and neither nor. <laughs> because it's, because ask me the same question tomorrow and my response will be different. And that gets to be okay. Because that's how relationships work. Because that is the linear element of conversation. I give, you receive. You give, I receive. That we are balancing the seesaw of connection. And you know what? Sometimes that isn't necessarily deep connection. That longevity of relationships is not a marker of how connected you are. That's something that has been sure. coming yeah, up for me recently. That, that before the pandemic, when we'd, we'd uh, arranged to meet a friend at a coffee shop, the friend that we've known the longest will either sit in silence for a long time because this comfortable silence, fine. And again, there's n and, and for me, there's no judgment on these things. It's just what I notice is that we can sit in silence with someone for a long time or I have something I want to voice and they will, they will back me. Like, yeah, that person's an idiot or that person is blah, 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 blah. Like they will side with us regardless, even though they might not agree because the linear, the back and forth, the bartering of balancing the friendship books is that if I have a problem, you're, you've got my back. And actually... The most loving thing that one can do for another person, not to another person, for another person, is to be honest. Sure. Because being honest isn't, um, it isn't about confrontation. It's about hearing someone and saying, this is how I receive your words. This is what this brought up for me. Often conversation is about defending oneself. It's been created that way. That as soon as we get into yeah. an argument with someone, we stop listening and we start defending. In a circular system, what we get to do is we get to receive the words that they give us. We get to feel what that brings up. And we get to ask ourselves what's true and what we want to give, not even give, offer and this is why words are so important to me because rather than give and take, which is what romantic relationships specifically are labeled as, they are give and take relationships, offer and receive is imbued with an energy of agency and choice. Give and take is very expectational. It's very formulaic. It's almost mathematical. Person plus give equals take. Person plus take equals give. Whereas if I offer something, it means I'm not giving away my energy. In an offer situation, what I'm doing is, if there's a uh, hypothetical table in the middle, like in between us, and I place something on the table, 
they have the choice of receiving it. They have the choice of taking up this thing, which is um, the offer of a conversation, the offer of a hug, the offer of holding a safe space. They have the choice. And, and so because I've, because I've aligned myself with the energy I have and what I'm willing to offer in this moment, not, what, not aligning with what I'm expected to give in this moment, I don't lose any energy if that person doesn't receive it. Ah, okay. It seems it's ultimately a question of empathy, the ability to understand empathy and kind of judge what's appropriate in a particular situation. And how do you do that? It's based on emotion and energy and just kind of, you know, if someone needs help, someone's feeling down or, or doesn't know how to respond, but you can tell there's something and you need to be able to kind of recognize or figure out what they what they need which isn't an easy thing to do but it's about it's i suppose it's about having an open mind and just not falling into is so easy to do this societal stereotypes and judgments and and patterns right that we all do because it's easy and it's comfortable well yeah and all of those things you just mentioned intuition empathy patience curiosity they are things that we are taught are ethereal. They're taught that some people have that ability and some don't. But it's not. It, it's a muscle that we can train. We are all trying to perform a show that we have not rehearsed. We are all trying to perform a show that we have not rehearsed. And I see it everywhere. Because with a destination-based, linear life, we are told that we have to have results in order to be valid, to be worthy, to be justified in existing. And it's painful. I feel it and I see it and I witness it and I, and I fear for it. Because every component of our life is about sales. It's not become, it, we, we have removed ourselves from story. And by that, I mean, we've released ourselves from our story. Because we're told our story doesn't matter. We have to be able to know what someone else's story is. So just coming back to that idea of if someone's upset or if someone's experiencing something, I need to work out what I can do, or I need to work out what's going on, or I need to, you, you don't have to do any of those things. You can, you can ask the question because you don't have to, like this is, it's so freeing. We don't have to tell the other person's story for them because we can't, we never ever can. Because what we see potentially is someone crying and because of the patterns and the habits and the conditioning that we individually have received, told through today's, this moment of feeling and connection to ourselves, we tell a story about why that person is crying. So we do the mental maths and we go, okay, what do I give in this moment to care for this person that I care about? 
you don't have to make that choice. We can release all of this, this mental maths because <laughs> all we can do is tell our own story. Mm, yeah. Well, it's been fascinating. I, uh, like often happens on this show, you know, we set up a conversation with someone and uh, we know a little bit kind of based on their profile and chatting and stuff like that, but we never really know what we're going to learn or <laughs> what we're going to get into. So I've really enjoyed your perspective and it's such a, a deeper view on uh, trying to understand, you know, what we're all going through here and the changes in all of our lives. For you, it's even on a whole other level with the, the visas and, and just the nature of, of the UK and so on. There's so many things that to deal with at the same time. Uh, I feel as much as anything, it's a, it's a story of living in the moment and being conscious of what's happening to you and what's around you and how to adapt and as I say, it's a, to try to, to not be so linear, but to see it as part of, of an ongoing journey, I guess, that, uh, that, you know, each day is a component of the next kind of thing. Instead of constant, you know, the sun goes down, you go to sleep, you get up, and you restart. I, it's a really interesting concept to essentially pick up where you left off, I suppose. But I want to ask you this. So, how would you define what makes good storytelling? What makes effective storytelling? Good question. It's a great question, actually. For me, it's less about what makes a good story and a bad story. To me, we, we can approach story from a place of lower stakes. Uh, our only... Because if, if I try to reach the most people with my story, I'm going to start changing the story to appeal to what I think more people will resonate with. So for me, if we have a story that we want to tell, our connection emotionally to that story is the only thing we can really bring to it. Honesty is the mm -hmm. only thing that matters. We have no control over who it resonates with. We also don't need to control when it resonates with people. We create a social media post, we share some vulnerability, and we hope it gets viral amount of likes because society deemed it resonant. Mm. But if I have a story that I just want to tell, I get to tell it, and it might be two years down the line that someone accidentally found my Facebook post <laughs> And they went, I, th this, I, I had to reach out and say that this just was really important to me. Sure. Or I found it really funny or that it resonated with them on some level. So people will tell. So if I tell someone a story, this is why I'm kind of resonating with the idea of like a wandering minstrel, like the kind of archaic okay. version of wandering minstrel who collects stories from place to place. And so the place they've been and the stories they've collected and the story that they told from two towns ago will be told differently in the next town they arrive at. A, because it's a different audience that they're telling. It might be smaller. It might be just a different type of person. And it's shaped by the stories they collected along the way. So the significance of that is that all they need is shelter, which someone in the local community may just put them up for the night because they told a good story. 
<laughs> who, who might feed them that night or they might take them around to a friend's house to a local pub and the uh the the landlord or landlady or land person might go that story you told in the town square was amazing food's on us right right <laughs> so so what by telling that story i garner what i need without telling people what i want because again it all comes down to basic human need so my need for connection might for me be storytelling what i don't say is i need to put food on the table so i'm going to make a story that provides that thing for me it, it kind of looks small but it's so significant because especially within the putty verse we are we have been told our entire lives Oh, you should just you should just make those for a living. You know, mm -hmm. I knit because I'm passionate about it and I love doing it and it brings me joy and fun and I love finding new patterns and all this sort of thing. And friends and family go, Oh, you do that all the time. You should just sell them. Yeah. <laughs> but as soon as we ask our passion to provide for us, the passion is not the thing that we are looking to channel. We aren't just knitting cardigans and selling knitted cardigans. We are having to create a new company. Mm -hmm. we, ha we have to set up an Etsy shop. We have to take photographs. We have to learn how to describe them. We have to learn what hashtags and SEO and all this sort of thing. So huh. by asking our passion to provide for us is a is a very thin veil of, of fallacy and lies because what people are doing is putting pressure on us to basically create a new company. So we get the choice because it might actually be something we're curious about. I wonder what, a, what making a business would feel like. That's a really important reframe of choosing to build and create and shape and explore what making a company is with, this, with the content being something that I'm passionate about mm -hmm. rather than, oh, this should be easy. I make, I knit cardigans all the time. So surely people will want them because people have told me that I'm good at it and that people would pay money for it. Not the people who told us, they haven't bought any cardigans, but they told us that people would buy them Right. <laughs> so there's these kind of like <laughs> false, false oracles who think that they know best for us. So connecting with a story that feels true and playful and curious and all of these ethereal things and empathetic because to tell a story to an audience is not to get them to respond in a certain way, but is to listen and look and take in the energy from the audience to shape okay. a story that that is going to be the best version of that story in that space it's the story that's the living thing it's right. going to evolve the next time you tell it yeah exactly just like our feelings sure yeah i'm really fascinated by the concept of storytelling and how we can use it and apply it and make the most of it and like embrace the the fun of it, really, the creativity and, and the joy of it. It's so, it's so interesting. There was, having been an actor for so long 
and having worked in theatre, there is what I experience is when you go out for the bow, you're looking out at the audience for like the first time, really. And what do we pick out? We pick out the person who isn't clapping as much or isn't clapping at all. And as soon as you come off stage, I hear comments of, did you see that person in the fourth row? You see that? Nothing, nothing at all. So what they've done is they feel they are worth everybody applauding them. And what mm -hmm. they've done also is tell a story about that person who wasn't clapping, who may have been moved to the point that they had this huge energetic shift, this huge realisation, or they might be really tired. <laughs> yeah. and, and they're just taking it in. Maybe they've maybe they didn't wrist. like it, and that's fine. Right. Or sure. they didn't like it. Yeah, fine, absolutely. They're entitled to their opinion. But again, we play this, this picture of the, the, the majority of going, well, I've tried really hard to do this. So you should show me. You've paid money to come here. You should show me um, appreciation for my attempts. Yeah. So that's selfish. <sighs> to... <laughs> To me, it, to me, it always comes back to story. There is some part of that person that needs everybody to enjoy their performance or at least show them that they are. And it's like the person saying, your life is so interesting, you should write a book. Not, your stories are so interesting, they really impacted how I look at the world. Hmm, well, that's much better. Right. Because impact gets to be ours. We do not have to be part of a large impact. So what if life is a rehearsal? Yeah, I like that. It, uh, it really keeps you focused in the moment. That's kind of the, yeah, that's kind of the plan. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly working for me at the moment and it might change and I get to choose something else and that's fine. <laughs> Because that's sure. the whole point of rehearsals. <laughs> you get to try something with the same parameters, but this time you pick up the vase instead of the candle. And it changes the whole experience. We don't have to know the answer because there aren't any. <laughs> <laughs> there's, only, there's only information. Okay, well, I'm hesitant to ask, like, where can we find you and uh, where do you share all your thoughts and stuff? Because, you know, you should probably write a book about all of this. <laughs> but all that being said, I, I'm sure everything you've been saying has been resonating again with uh, with uh, our listeners and, and people in the group, in the community who you've been connecting with a lot over the last little while. And and that's great. That's what it's, we're all here for. So how can people best connect with you? Let's put it at that. Uh, you can find me in the Puttyverse. You can also find me on Instagram. Uh, I'm sure you will include the handle in the notes. And I have set up a website, www.paulsocket.com, hmm. which I'm using as my little playground to experiment in. And, and those are the main avenues. Great. Well, for sure, we'll have the notes, the links, and everything available. Um, anyone listening, feel free to comment on this episode. You know, we posted in the forum on the Puttyverse, and uh, any thoughts? I could see this uh, evolving into a great 
conversation and discussion amongst um, you know anyone who's listening and who wants to leave their thoughts and response to. So I encourage you to do so and get in touch with uh, with Paul if you want to reach out some more. And it's been a real pleasure to hear your insight today. Thanks so much for joining us on the Multipod. Thanks for having me. So thanks to Paul. That was a tremendous insight, a really enjoyable conversation. We got into so many different levels and perspectives there. We could have pulled apart even more, I'm sure, and and this would have turned into a three-hour episode. But hey, maybe it's something we can build on in the future and, uh, and have him back on the show. Paul did mention his workshops that he runs. He did one in the Puttyverse a couple months ago, Claim Your Space and Streamline Your Life with Self-Care. And if it's not in the Puttyverse itself, he does them as well on his own, uh, through his own website, which is simply paulsocket.com, P-A-U-L-S-O-C-K-E-T-T.com. And I'm jumping the gun a little bit here. I, I gather that he does them fairly regularly, perhaps on demand. But if you've missed a recent one, there'll probably be another one pretty soon. So you can check out his site and you get all the info. The idea being that he talks about claiming your space, streamlined life. It's a question of energy, the energy you find from the space around you and the things that you have. So I'm sure there's an element of basically decluttering and kind of cleaning up the things that are around you. But not just physical things, surely the emotional side of that as well. Basically claiming the space that is around you. It, it comes back to the part there we were chatting about control and how we like, we need familiarity. We like to be able as humans to control the things that we can understand. It feels safe. It feels comfortable. And so if you're someone, you know, looks around in your life and whether your your home is really cluttered or whether your life and your time feels very cluttered, and hey, especially as multi-potentialites, you know, we, we usually have so much on the go and we're trying to juggle all these balls, and, and we want to. I mean, it's there's meaning and purpose in that, but it's trying to keep it all straight, in a sense, and figure out the things that we really need to focus on, perhaps, and the things that give us the most energy, the most comfort and clarity to the space that we have. Paul can help you sort all this stuff out. It's a really interesting workshop. And as I say, if there's not one coming up fairly soon, you can certainly reach out and chat with him here in the Puttyverse, as well as to some of his other places. He's there on LinkedIn and on Twitter, and you can find him on Instagram too. A bit of a play on words, it is Saul Pocket. It's his Instagram profile, S-A-U-L-P-O-C-K-E-T, instead of Paul Socket, Saul Pocket. That's on Instagram. Uh, I do want to mention that um, you may be wondering what happened to Flo. Flo, uh, the internet, or I think our recording software kind of cut out about a third of the way in. So we were listening to Paul, of course, with all of his insight and, and great perspective. And then I turned to Flo to see what his thoughts were. And oh, Flo wasn't there. So um, we're sorry about that, of course. We'll hear from him again. And, and he's welcome to comment too after this episode. That leads me to a final point that um, we really do want to try to build up uh, more discussion and conversation on our episodes here of the Multipod within the Partyverse, because of course we post each episode right there in the forum. They're easy to find. And uh, so, you know, if you like what you heard, if you have questions, I mean, this is a great thing. The people who come on the show 
are yourselves, it's easy to reach out, it's easy to find each other, tag them and, and you know, ask a question or leave a comment. So we really encourage you to do so if there's anything you want to follow up on or any other questions you have or points that you'd like to make, just go to the, the forum post for this episode and hopefully we can start conversation to follow up on it. So as always, we thank you very much for listening and spending your time with us. We'll be back again soon within the next couple of weeks, certainly, if not before, with uh, some more wonderful putty peep to share with you. Again, my name's Ted. This is The Multipod, and we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>